travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 52, Life as a Travel Writer. Writing about travel has exploded over the last decade, with the internet creating platforms for just about anyone to document their travels on blogs, almost everyone on the road seems to fancy themselves as a travel writer. But writing about travel and doing it well are two entirely different things. The role of the professional travel writer has been diminished in many ways, but real travel writers are methodical about how they find information, document, and share it with readers. Today we're going to get the inside scoop on what it's like being a professional guidebook writer by chatting with Talk Travel Asia co-host Trevor Ranges about his years authoring travel books and articles. Hey Trevor. Hey Scott. So we are together in Bangkok, sitting at the same table, yes, recording we this thing together. And we decided, you're a co-host, but we should try having you as a co-host and a guest at the same time. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, that Flight of the Concords documentary they made at South by Southwest, where they would go on people's podcasts or, or talk shows or radio shows, and, and they would interview those people as they were being interviewed themselves. Right. So I, I'm looking forward to asking myself some hard questions today. Yeah, you've documented some good questions that I'm going to throw at you and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah, so it should be an interesting one, let's hope. Yeah, you know, it's interesting thing to talk about. Uh, you had set up a, a Pecha Kucha Bangkok years ago, yeah. which is a format where people can talk about uh, different things that they have expertise in. And I gave a, a, a lecture about being a travel writer and mm. kind of talking about some of the misconceptions that, that people have. Uh, everybody's like, oh my God, that's like the, the greatest job in the world. But, but it's a job, you know, and uh, oftentimes it's more glory than gold. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that talk you gave was really, really well received. So when we were brainstorming episodes, we thought, you know, let's share your inside story because it, it is a pretty interesting one. But maybe before we get any uh, further into this, we'll thank our sponsor for the day. And that is a, a bar slash lounge slash little bit of restaurant called Sway, which is off Tonglaw, Soy 10 here in Bangkok. Yeah, it's an arena Tonglaw. Sway is run by a yeah. couple of Canadian guys and they yeah. make uh, some Canadian grub like poutine yeah. and some really great chicken wings very creative uh, recipes i ate too many the other night do all you can eat wings seems like a good idea but i don't think you need all the wings you can actually eat yeah you can uh, go to sway on facebook and check out all their events because they have like all you can eat wing night they yeah. have like beer pong competitions uh, it's a pretty fun place to go and, and hang out and mingle with people i like bars where it's easy to, to interact with other guests and, yeah. and the staff and whatnot. And they have Canadian Caesars with real Clamato juice. So if you know what that is as a Canadian and you're in Bangkok, you can actually get one at Sway. So thanks a ton for Sway for sponsoring this thing. So Trevor, let's just get right into it. How did you become a travel writer? Um, you know, people always ask me that and it, it's kind of a long and convoluted story. Um, I had been living in Hawaii uh, before I moved to Thailand and I was a brewer there. Oh, okay. And I cut my hand on a beer bottle. <laughs> it all started it, with a cut on a beer bottle. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing you need to do to get into the business. Okay. Um, but then you need to get a job as a secret shopper. Oh. And uh, I was a secret shopper for Safeway Supermarkets. Oh, yeah. And they had stores on, on Maui and Kauai and the Big Island. And twice a month for three years, they paid to fly me to the other islands. Really? 
Um, so I would bring my cooler and my tent and mm -hmm. Safeway would pay for my flight and my rental car. So I, I would do the shop, evaluate the customer service, buy some groceries and then go camping. Um, so <laughs> cool. I camped all over the Hawaiian islands and I started writing my own travel guidebook to Hawaii. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. Um, which I, I never published. It's in a shoebox somewhere. I, I'd like to dig it up uh, oh, really? sometime soon. Okay. Um, but after I moved to Thailand, I just started doing some magazine work. Right. Um, I had always enjoyed writing my whole life. I, I've been a short story writer just for my own personal passion. Um, so uh, after I moved to Thailand uh, and started doing some magazine work, photos, travel guidebooks. Oh, okay. Uh, published by Random House in the U.S. Yeah. They, they hired me to write the, the new updated version of the Thailand's beaches and islands. Okay. And what kind of time period is this roughly? God, I don't even know. It's a long time ago. Like we're talking 2000 no, or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 2006, 2005 oh, or okay. six. Okay, yeah, like yeah. All right, so, so a decade plus. Ago, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it was really great. Doing beaches and islands was right up my alley. Sure, it sounds know, having, like you. Having come from Hawaii. Um, and then uh, I just sort of did it as a part-time job for years and, until I kept getting more and more work and uh, eventually was able to, to go do it full-time. Right. So they, the, the first big, big one then was this Fodor's Beaches and Islands book that you did. And what kind of time period did it take to crank out that? Um, you know, they, they were revamping their series at the time. So I got to, uh, it wasn't a first edition. I had to update and expand the existing content. Okay. But uh, even back in 96, you know, the focus was really on Phuket and Koh Samui. Oh, right, And right. even like Koh Tao wasn't really on the, the, the big tourist guidebook map huh, really? yet. Um, yeah, so I, I don't remember how long it took to, to update that book. Those projects usually take, you know, four to six months. Really? Yeah. Okay, and then from there, I know that you've also written for the Tourism Authority of Thailand, some of their websites, promotional items. And then you, you started working for National Geographic, did you not? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, actually, if we go back to the Tourism Authority of Thailand stuff, um, that was cool because that introduced me to another side of, of travel writing and not just writing content for their website, which, which they revamped to make it like web 2.0 with a travel planner and right. stuff. Um, but we did this thing called the ultimate Thailand explorers, okay. which was a social media travel competition. And, uh, and you know, that the early two thousands that there were the, you know, 2006 or seven, uh, the internet really started to change travel writing and, and, okay. you know, the, it was already moving away from books yeah. um, to these social media and online formats. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy writing like hand copy and, and, and I like holding books. I still read real you books. You always have a notebook and stuff yeah. with you. You're always taking notes. Um, so, you know, I, I had actually applied for a, a job with Lonely Planet. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and they said that like I didn't have enough experience or something like that. Mm -hmm. And literally like a week to two weeks later, National Geographic contacted me oh, and cool. asked me to work for them. Ah, so, sweet. Yeah. So that's another thing. Like, how do you get a job with National Geographic? Yeah. You wait for them to wait contact for them you. them to contact you after doing a photos book. Yeah, and, and that TAT stuff and uh, some other magazine and newspaper work as well. Yeah. So you've done uh, first editions, right, of National Geographic Cambodia, is that right? Yeah, I did a first edition National Geographic Cambodia book. And I had spent a little bit of time in Cambodia. But I think uh, when we get into the nitty gritty here, like travel writing isn't just about writing. It's being mm. able to, to do research and, and yeah. plan yourself well and, and budget yourself well and, and discipline. It's, it's, it's difficult to force yourself to like get everything done, especially on time yeah um so i think uh, national geographic might have respected my work ethic a lot okay. not, not just my writing yeah so they asked me uh quote you don't know anything about cambodia do you 
<laughs> and I was like, that's the perfect question because because yeah. uh, I know that it's next to Thailand and I, and I yeah. know I'd be willing to write a book about it. Um, and, and that took about 18 months, that book. And, uh, wow. you know, writing for National Geographic has, has the burden of people believing what you say, right? And, <laughs> and I remember, like, I bumped into you at, at a party yeah. right, right before I set out on this project. And, and I think you said to me, like, God, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah I do like, remember that. Because at that time, I was still, like, it was still early in, in my career as a travel writer. And that, that was a, a Herculean task. Huge. Yeah, um, with the history and then the Angkor and temples. And, like, I mean, you got a lot to document really well. So, so I spent, like, three months just reading books. Like, every history book, archaeological accounts of, you know, like, you know, hundred-year-old analyses of the temples and uh, I bought a book that was uh, the, the transcription of 16th century Portuguese explorers to, oh, wow. to Angkor and uh, did a lot a lot of homework before I even set foot in Cambodia. You know I've done a tiny bit of travel writing for you know in-flight magazine pieces here and there and I did I think five or six uh, guide maps to areas and just from that little experience I'm not comparing it to the scale and scope of, of a guidebook but you know I'd land somewhere with four days and no, I have to get a certain amount of content. And it was all about research before going anywhere, like knowing the 30 places to check out for eating, the 30 sites, like that was imperative. And I think people don't get that about travel writing. You say you put three months in a reading, like it's all about the pre-planning, right? Yeah, there's a lot of research. And then when like when you're going to make your schedules and stuff like that, you know, mm. four to six months uh, during which time you're going to be traveling, um, lots of times you don't know exactly three months from now how much time I'm going to be able to spend here or there. Right. Um, so it is a lot of like detail oriented, you know, planning. Right, right. Well, you wanted to actually work through kind of a, a real life scenario here, which is kind of cool. And we'll, we'll dive in a bit deeper later. But you are actually heading back to Hawaii here uh, next month. This is June 2016. So you're heading to Hawaii. And I know you've been given an assignment to write a story about the island of Lanai. So you wanted to kind of use that as a real example of how you would author uh, and approach a magazine story. Is that right? Yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I I had wanted to get out of travel writing for so long, but right, right. Uh, it's somewhat of an addiction. And even like sure. the, the last National Geographic update I did of the Thailand book, it's hard to say no to those types of opportunities. So I just threw this story idea out to a magazine to write about Lanai mm -hmm. um, because I happened to be going home to Hawaii and I recently made a friend who lives there and uh and someone wants to, to publish it so i'm like great okay let's let's write about lanai right um i've never been there yeah um i, I i'm stoked to go um, but i think yeah it is a good example of like how i would go about creating a, a travel piece right so from what i know about lanai smaller of the hawaiian islands pretty undeveloped lots of dirt roads so how much time are you giving yourself and and how do you approach this thing well, you know, we're not going for about a month, okay? okay. But I don't like to, I, I like to stay ahead of the game planning-wise right. and everything. So really, like, the first thing I did, because I've never been to Lanai before, um, I, I went to Wikipedia. Said, so where is Lanai? Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. So according to Wikipedia, Lanai is the sixth largest of the Hawaiian Islands. Okay. And is the smallest publicly accessible inhabited island in the chain. All right. Well, um, you're off to a good start. Yeah. So it's funny that... You know, you don't want to go to Wikipedia. One of the things when, when you're writing travel guidebooks is you don't want to read other people's guidebooks necessarily. Um, not, uh, not because then you'd be copying them, but like, I don't want to be influenced by what other people right, like and what and, and don't like. And, uh, and while like Wikipedia isn't necessarily always the most accurate yeah. about like every detail, it's, it's a good place to start. Okay. So I went to, to Wikipedia, went to Lanai. I went to the like State of Hawaii Tourism 
website for the island of Lanai. Yeah. And between those two things, I was able to put together uh, a decent list of all of the major attractions on the island. Okay, so you've got your basic things that you know you have to see or mention or check out. Yeah, there's like top 10 most important attractions and areas of the island, right? Okay. Okay, so then the next thing is I went and found three different maps of the right. island. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you need to know like, okay, where are these things? Because I don't know how many days it's going to take me to, to explore Lanai. And, right. and it's just a, a magazine story. I'm not writing like a, a Lanai book, okay. right? Um, but with, between these three different maps, I can get a good idea of like, you know, how far apart things are, where things are, okay. uh, and start like writing on the map, like, okay, this is this, this is that, here's another thing. And then trying to figure out, okay, how could I break up my days? You know, right, like what's right, going right. to be day one, what's going to be day two, what's going to be day three. Okay. And one of the things you have to think about is how many things you can see in a day. Right. Without wearing yourself out and meaning nothing too, probably. Yeah. You don't want to drive like two hours along a, a dirt road in a four wheel drive Jeep to, to see some beach and then like take a picture of it and jump back in the car and drive right. to the next site. And you know, sometimes travel writing is like that, you know, mm. when, when you're doing a bigger project and you have to cover a lot of stuff, um, lots of times you, you don't get to enjoy it as much as sure, you would if you yeah. were on vacation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have several different maps here um, from different sources that have these different things. And then I can start to break out like what, what my days are going to be like. Okay. Um, the next thing though, I think which is really important is I'm going to talk to my friend Zelda tomorrow who lives on the island for local expert insight. Okay. So you try and get to know if you happen to know someone that's an expert, reach out to them. I think that that's really important. Again, like if you're going on vacation somewhere, you might not know someone right there, you know, but if you're going to, to write something then I think you need that local insight. You need to find someone who knows someone who you can talk to. Okay. Um, or, you know, start sending out emails. Uh, one of the important skills of being a travel writer is, is writing good emails. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, suppose there's a historical landmark or some historical society or uh-huh. even, like, uh, some tour agent that specializes in some exotic bird that you can only see in this location. Yeah. Um, you know, a good month before you leave, you need to reach out and contact these people and start making some uh, relationships uh, and, and getting some, some local insight because lots of times people will say, well, you know what? That is one of the top attractions, uh-huh. but that's not really the best thing to see. Okay. You know? and, yeah, yeah. and they'll give you some specific advice on something. Hey, you know what? Lots of people don't know about this, but here's like a really cool little beach near there. Okay. That that's one of my favorites. And and I think that's what you want to share with your readers. Not just recycling stuff they can find at TripAdvisor, but but finding something unique. Gotcha. Okay. So you gotta reach out to people well in advance to find out what the real deal is, what is really worth scene and i suppose too if you want to meet up with somebody while you're in a location like for this uh lanai story how many days do you have to actually knock this one out in the field i think we're going to go for four days okay so if you have four days and you know you want to meet certain people you got to make sure that's teed up well in advance right yeah again going with the scheduling it it, it is important to make sure that the people who you're going to meet with are available on on those days and uh you know, there, there are certain things that are going to take a half day or even a full day just to do one thing. Okay. Um, and you want to make sure that you're going to nail it, you know. So what amount of, I mean, this is a story of what, a couple thousand words that you're going to do? Yeah, I think so. 2,500. So kind of almost a larger magazine kind of story. Uh, what kind of time are you going to spend 
preparing for it and then you said you got four days on the ground and then what kind of time is it going to take to actually draft this story up and get it in finished form? Um, I, I find, again, from maybe writing larger pieces um, and, and when we talk about doing like guidebooks or bigger projects, um, staying on top of your writing is really important. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like writing is a continuous process. Uh, people think you know, like travel writing, you, know, you, you travel and then you write, you know. Yeah. Um, but I find that the best thing for me to do is have my writing being a continuous process. Okay. So I'm already starting to like draft and outline a bit. And, and as I like maybe talk to Zelda, or I find some research on the Hawaii yeah. um, official website. I can start like integrating that into my text and, and the story will develop and I'll write a little bit each day. And uh, then, you know. So you're dropping little informative or interesting bits here and there and almost like a puzzle you'll move them around and kind of write around it or yeah a bit and like i i like you said like with the notebook i i do a lot of hand notes and mm. uh when i was doing the the cambodia guidebook uh if i go back to some of the journals i took and there's some really cool temples around batambang in western cambodia okay and i have like little sketches of the temples oh, in, cool. in my notebook yeah and then if i if you read what i wrote handwritten at the temple there it's almost exactly what ended up in the book oh neat um so lots of times i i, I feel like you write it right there in the moment where yeah. where you can capture that those feelings okay so lots of lead time on your research four days on the ground by the time you leave Lanai, you're going to have it kind of partially written. And then, I mean, I, I assume you have to set deadlines for yourself because you can't go spending weeks and weeks writing a, a 2,000 word story or else you're going to bankrupt yourself too, right? Yeah, obviously your time is valuable. Um, and, and on a, a story like this, I don't know, compared to, you know, writing several hundred page book, um, you know, 2,000 words is kind of nothing, right? And, and right. so then there's different challenges as well, trying to you know, there's probably, there is enough stuff to, to see and do and talk about in Lanai to, to write a couple hundred pages, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, how do you write the, the best 2,000 words out of all of that content? Right. Okay, well, let's flip it over. If Let's say you were going to then do a guidebook on all of Hawaii. Okay, so I think you've described, I think it's actually Lanai, isn't it? Or Lanai. Lanai, so we're saying it wrong. Sorry for Hawaiian listeners. Yeah. But... Um, Anyway, so let's say now you've got a bigger project and you've got four or 500 pages and somebody says, produce me a whole Hawaii guidebook. Like, how does that project differ now? Um, you know, again, like the, the scheduling and planning is going to be really important. Uh, you know, maybe Lanai would only be 10 pages of a 200 page book because not so many people go there. Um, so one of the things is trying to figure out how to allocate the pages to the certain sections, you know, like more people going to Maui um, than Molokai. So Maui's obviously has to be okay. more pages. Honolulu is going to be big. Yeah. Oahu is going to be, you know, a big chunk of the book. Okay. So then how are you going to break that up? And, huh. and then when you go to Oahu and you're going to spend some time on the North shore, you want to go out to the West side, you have to do like, you know, Chinatown and Waikiki. Um, how long are each of those destination is going to take you you know mm -hmm. you really have to come up with a several month plan for for how long you're going to spend in each destination okay um and then you you again maps like you would want maps of the the towns maps of, of neighborhoods yeah and then i create little plastic folders for each like there would be a waikiki folder there would be a, a kailua folder oh okay. um, there would be you know not just one for each island but on for, your computer or a physical folder physical folder so you still like 
printing it out and using physical stuff. Well, you need the maps there. I mean, you're, you're obviously going to do all the stuff on your computer and, and Google Drive would probably make my life so much easier now. Uh-huh. Uh, for a while, we used software called Scrivener. Okay. Um, but, you know, when I was teaching at Tomasat and doing the research paper, one of the things I, I said is so important is just um, computer file management. You know, oh, okay. Yeah. You have like a, a folder that's Oahu and then you have a subfolder of, you know, all the places, the different places, but then you're going to have subfolders of hotels and, and restaurants versus beaches okay. and, you know, tour providers or luau's. Um, so the, it's this overwhelming number of subcategories that you have to keep track of. Uh-huh. So then what the, what the little folders are for then is you could have a printout like, okay, so you have your Waikiki folder here. Um, you have a map of Waikiki. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then... You, you couldn't even do all of Waikiki in one day. You know, Waikiki is going to take no like several days. Yeah. A week or two um, or something. So then you would break that down like almost, I like to color code things on my maps. Okay. And then within that folder behind the map, there would be like the day one list of things I need to go see and do. The day two things. List. Right. And, and so then I could be like, all right, you know, two weeks from now, where am I going to go next? Okay. I could look, okay, I need to go to Kailua. Um, which is on the east side of Hawaii, I can go and grab my Kailua folder and I already have printed up like how I broke that down and what uh-huh. I'm going to do day one, day two, day three. So then when you're in the field trying to conduct all of this research, you plan it all out for yourself beforehand with mm. all these little folders so you know exactly what you're going to do on any given week, roughly. So Trevor, you must have to visit an awesome number of hotels, restaurants, guest houses, attractions. I mean, when you're writing a big guidebook, like say Hawaii, for example, how do you even begin to figure out how many places to go to and how to make it all happen? Well, you know, I mean, let's say with like photos or, or National Geographic, the focus isn't necessarily on where to stay and where to eat, although that is an important aspect of it. Um, so you're not trying to find every single hotel or restaurant. So you have to be a little bit selective. You know, you want to find a few high end, a number of mid range and, and a few budget places. Okay. Um, And speaking of budgeting, like that's another important aspect of this. If you're going to spend, let's say, you know, three to six months in Hawaii or six months or more in Hawaii doing this research, um, you're going to have to be staying in different hotels every single night um, in different areas. And uh, your expenses all come out of pocket. Like you get a lump sum to, to write and then your expenses are your own. Okay. So, you know, you can't stay in a Four Seasons every single night. Uh, Even if you're paying, let's say, $30 a night, um, that's $900 a month you're going to be paying in rent, right? Right, In in addition to if you have an apartment back home. uh, Uh So so that's a big expense. Um, Also, like... You don't want to spend, let's say, you're going to, to, to Kailua, again, as an example, and you're going to stay in like a, an Airbnb or you're going to stay in a hotel. You can't stay in the same place for an entire week because uh, although you do spend a lot of time doing hotel inspections, yeah. lots of times you're not going to get what the experience of a guest is sure. um, who stays at a hotel simply by doing an inspection. Okay. Um, so how many properties could you maybe hit in a day? Well, again, if it, whether it's hotels or whether it's, uh, you know, temples or, or right. waterfalls or other attractions, um, th- there is a limited number of things you can budget for yourself in a day right. that you're going to be able to see. Um, so, you know, and, and suppose you go and look at 15 hotels, um, like an easier place to explain it would be like Chowang Beach and Koh Samui, which okay. is one of the big popular Thailand destinations here. Um, what I did when I originally uh, wrote about the 
beaches and islands of, of Thailand, Samui, I would just walk along the beachfront and I would walk into every single hotel and kind of do a little inspection and, and check it out. Yeah. I'm um, trying to find something that, that, again, was a little bit special, you know? Okay. Um, now, there's other hotels at the high end, let's say like the Aman or, or the Four Seasons or something. And some of those guys like to be contacted beforehand and you need to set up an appointment to, right. to go and do an inspection and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes some of these places offer to let you stay there, uh, mm. which is awesome because that does lower your cost a little bit. At sure. the same time, you end up eating at their restaurants and, and yeah. spending more um, um, during that stay yeah, than yeah. you would have if you stayed somewhere else. Um, but even if they say, oh, you know, we offer to let you stay here for four days, yeah. you, you can't stay in a single resort for four days because you need to go check out other resorts. Um, and, and you need to try and evaluate, you know, 10 places for every one that you think is worthy of recommending. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the big drawbacks is constantly packing and unpacking. You're mm-hmm. not just moving from town to town and province to province. Um, you're changing hotels regularly so that you can evaluate different hotels. Right. Um, and, and then with restaurants, like every single meal you have is a prospective restaurant review. Right. Um, every bar you go into is, is a prospective bar you might want to write about. So in that regards, it, it makes it challenging to find time off. You know, you've, yeah, you spent the whole day always, running around yeah. and then you sit down to eat and, and you don't want to write about it. But then the food turns out to be really good. So then you need to ask them for a name card. You need to get all this information in order to write like a proper review of the place. And, and it seems like you're constantly evaluating every single thing you do every minute of every day. Yeah. Now you touched on actual the financial aspect to it a few minutes ago. And it was something you told me about years ago, but I think it surprised me is that you're not just paid by like the week or the day or here's so much to stay at places. If I'm right, you're given a big lump sum and it's up to you to figure out how to do the traveling, the eating, and still make money at the end of this, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, and and you know that was interesting when uh, we went to Bali a few years ago to do a, a guidebook about Bali. Uh, my assistant Hannah, um, even she's a, a young woman who had never really focused on on creating a budget to maintain her normal life, you know. Mm. And I was like, all right, well, look, you're going to work for me for a certain amount of time. You're going to get a certain amount of money for this job. Um, how much money would you like to save from that? Right. Okay. So then you work backwards from there. Like if this is the amount of money I think I should be paid in pocket at the end of it, then everything else is your budget to spend over several months of of travel. Um, So that includes how much money am I going to spend on food per day? How much money am I going to spend on lodging per day? And, uh, and that, that Bali project over, over six months between the two of us was tens of thousands of dollars. And in the end we came within like a hundred dollars of our initial budget. So I think, uh, that's a, a talent of a good travel writer that a huh. lot of people would never even think about being able to manage your finances. You could bankrupt yourself on a project, right? Like not even be done the research and have spent all the money if you didn't do that well. Right. Yeah. It, you can like end up losing money and, and a lot of times they don't pay you up front uh, they give you some money up front okay um, to, to cover your expenses but uh, sometimes that's not adequate to, to cover the full cost of, of all of your expenses right. so you, you mentioned your use of files both physical files and then uh, on computers and stuff but you see a ton of stuff you get a ton of info how do you actually kind of keep track on it like do you find ideal places to write or to schedule writing days or how do you do it 
Yeah, like, uh, again, you can only limit yourself to, let's say, eight to 10 sites or attractions or hotels a day, um, because at the end of the day, you have eight to 10 sites or hotels or attractions that you need to write about, you know? Okay. And uh, if you put that off for, for two or three days, even, you just have an immense amount of information. And lots of times it's easy to forget, oh, what you wanted to say mm. about it, you know? So you, you really do need to, to keep on top of your writing. And that does include scheduling days that are just writing days. Okay. Um, even when you're on the road. And, and then just finding little times to do it. When I was doing the Cambodia book, I was out on my feet running around all day. And it's tiring, like all the walking oh, or, sure, or biking yeah. and stuff you do all day. So at the end of the day, there was a, a, like a foot massage uh, parlor okay. across from the place where I stayed in Siem Reap. And every day after exploring the countryside or the temples, I would get an hour or a two hour foot massage with my laptop and, <laughs> and type up my notes. And then, yeah. and then after that's done, I would go to a bar that I wanted to do a re review of. Yeah. And I would sit at the bar and, and type for another yeah. hour while trying to soak up the atmosphere of that bar. Sure. And then maybe go to another bar and, and start writing again. Yeah. Um, just because you really have to keep on top of it. Yeah. So it sounds like documenting, documenting, not trying to sit back three months later and remember what it was like, like capturing it then and now. Yeah. And so like that's it's it's a lot of work. You spend your entire day out researching, but then you got to spend your night writing. Or if you have like a quote unquote day off the next day, lots of times your day off is spent um, trying to catch up on the writing that you had or adjusting your plans because uh, maybe you didn't get to see everything you wanted to. Maybe you couldn't find something that was important and you're going to need to try and go out there again tomorrow. There's a meditation center that was south of Batambang mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I, I drove all the way out there. There's a bunch of other temples and stuff to see, but then the meditation center was closed that day. Ah. So I'm like, oh man, now I got to drive all the way back out here again tomorrow. And, and so your schedule needs to be a little bit flexible. Okay. Um, and then just talking about like days off, if you have a day off, sometimes that day off is just doing something that requires a full day to do. Um, suppose you want to evaluate uh, river rafting companies because okay. there's an area that's famous for river rafting, like Chiang Rai or, yeah. or, or, or in Bali. Um, that's going to take the whole day. So your day off is spent doing this river rafting, excursion. Yeah. And, and that's a great day off. Yeah. If it's a good experience. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have to spend the night writing about it, of course. But sometimes it's a disappointing experience. And mm. then you're like, I just wasted my day off uh, yeah. doing something that I, I've determined isn't worth mentioning. Okay. Well, I'm sure that there's all kinds of highs and lows, too, where you take on these big, big multi-month project. But can you share a few of the highs and lows of this that you have from these jobs? Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of highs and lows, I think, uh, you know. Speaking of highs, there, there's days where you, you stop and you look around and, and you're on top of a volcano and and you're like, oh, my God, like this is my job. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I've gotten paid to, to ride a water buffalo twice. Oh, cool. And, and it's just an amazing experience in and of itself. But then to be like, you know what, this is my job. I'm, I'm being paid to ride a water buffalo. Right. Is, is a pretty cool feeling. OK. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, I don't really remember it, but um, yeah. There, there's days where I feel like the, the Sean Penn character, like trying to capture the photo of the, the snow leopard and then not taking the photo just because you want to cherish that moment for yourself, you know? And, and oh, sometimes yeah, okay. sometimes there's moments where you find something and you're like, I, I want to keep this to, for myself and, and not share it with, with my writers. But then the other half is you're, you're the the Walter Mitty character who's in the basement doing all the research and, and like there's lots of 
I don't know, just grunt work, I guess, that like it would be nice to have a, a personal assistant for, but uh, you know, sometimes that's stuff that you need to be involved in yourself. Um, the other downside, I think, is just that, that constant running around and that, that constant moving. Um, I talked a little bit about it on one of our tantalizing travel tales uh-huh. episodes where, where my bag um, got put on a bus Right. In Batambang to Poipet. I remember and that And then one. I turned around and the, and the bus drove away with my bag in it. Well, that was only part of like this really long, crazy day that started in Phnom Penh. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and the plan that day was to start in Phnom Penh, uh, take a bus to Persat, which is halfway along the road to Batambang. Okay. I, I left my bicycle, or I left my bag at the, the bus station. Right. And then I ran around trying to find a bicycle. And then I did a quick like hour and a half, two hour long like bike thing around town just to confirm what I knew was still there and uh-huh. if anything new was happening. Got back to the bus station, jumped on a bus, took that to Batambang, got another bicycle, like ran all over oh, town right. in Batambang. Then the bag like disappeared without me, right? Uh-huh. I get to Poipet. I didn't have any cash, but I assume that they have ATM machines at the casinos there. Um, but the ATMs at the casinos weren't working. And, and I was like, ah, look, the, the border was about to close. So I made the decision to, to cross the border into Thailand. Um, and then because that I tried my ATM card in the machine that didn't work in Poipet, yeah. it, it didn't work in Thailand. So I didn't have any money at all to, mm. to get back to, to Bangkok with. And, you know, there, there are highs and lows in travel in general. Yeah. But, like, sometimes just, like, the, the nonstop travel, 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 research, 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 you know, like, you get worn down. Like, you just want a normal job you want a boss to tell you what to do every day you, yeah. you don't want to have to to keep pushing yourself and then at the end of the day to write it all um so there, there's definitely moments of glory but then there, there's a lot of days where you just want to hang out at the hotel pool all day and, and yeah. act like a normal traveler on holiday yeah well you know i from knowing you personally and then hearing this story is it seems like you have to be a highly highly disciplined and organized person or at least when you're doing this like yeah it's fun but it's really all about organization and stuff so you know my last question for you trevor before we wrap this thing up is have there been spots or things that you want to put in the book but you think like oh if i put this in i'm going to kind of ruin it because it's such a brilliant spot or a nice secret kind of thing and if i write about it everyone's going to know about it and i'm going to kind of ruin it do you ever kind of struggle with that yeah you know that that certainly does happen and again when we talked about you know i I first went to tao in 1996 when there was no electricity or running water and it was was gorgeous and then when i wrote about it for photos it was still this this really kind of secret spot um, and I don't think it's because I wrote about it yeah, that it's yeah. become crazy famous now. But, you know, I, I found some like cool little hotels run by like a French couple in the middle of nowhere on a river. Um, that's so gorgeous. And, and I, I asked them, I'm like, you know, do you want to be in a travel guidebook? Like, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you want like this town or this area to, to become really popular? And occasionally they don't. They're like, you know, we're happy with our life and, and the mm. number of guests we have. And, and we, we don't want more publicity yeah. um, because it is so special the way it is. Um, and then other people are like, that's how they feel. But it's a business and they do need people to go there. Sure. Um, but then like I, I did the new National Geographic Thailand guidebook that, that was published last year. And uh, 
it, that a lot of that was about trying to find the new up and coming islands, you know, okay. the, the places that aren't quite yet on the tourist map, just because people do get burned out with, with the old destinations and the overdevelopment. And there always are new places to go and see and do. And I, I enjoy discovering them, quote unquote, um, yeah. and then sharing that with, with other people. Um, and, and, I hope those places develop in a responsible manner so that like, you know, the popularity of those destinations doesn't change the atmosphere too much. Um, but, but, you know, the world's still a big place and, and there's still lots of new things to discover and, and to, to share with people. Um, I think the trick is just as a, a reader of travel guidebooks is trying to, to get the, that, that information before it's out of the bag, you know, like right. travel writers are providing some really good insight. Um, you just want to like go there before it's too late. Cool. Well, it's fascinating stuff, man. I, you know, secretly always wanted to read a travel guidebook, but since I've learned more about it from you over this chat and other times, I, I don't actually think it's for me, but thanks for sharing this story. Super cool topic. And uh, yeah, you, you do some great work. So uh, thanks Trevor. Yeah. And uh, after this story about Lenai is published, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put that up a link to the a web version of it uh, yeah cool so people can enjoy that and we'll put links to the books you've written as well on the show notes so thanks very much for joining us on this episode of talk travel asia and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon hey scott do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and 